welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. This is your host, Light the Light Finger Thief. And here I'm joined by Logar. Hello, I am Logar the Barbarian. Logar, it's getting dark outside. Colors are changing. And I seem to see a lot more uh, interesting creatures and monsters coming out of the uh, darkness here. Oh, oh, there's a problem then. <laughs> you might want to call someone. <laughs> Do we need to call the Ghostbusters? <laughs> or our player characters. Yes. <laughs> the bizarre. Bizarre of the bizarre. Bizarre of the bizarre. Is it, so we're going to look at a dungeon mag article from issue number 162. I believe this was 1990. Am I correct on the year? I believe so, yes. Oh, here's the 91 Dragonlance calendar advertisement at the front. It's October of 1990. So as we're recording, this is October, although this one may not come out until November or later. <laughs> I mean, post-October. Post-October. I think we're going to try to, to, I think I'm, we're going to do another one in here that we're, the next one, I think we're going to try to squeeze in October because I feel it's a little more Halloween appropriate for the week before Halloween. Halloween themed. <laughs> so what they're talking about what, what is this they're actually talking about a spell book not a bazaar per se yeah and like spell book the picture on the left side of this page is got this uh, i guess it's an image of the book and um, although assuming it's the leather cover of the book maybe <laughs> well it's not leather remember it's 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 like a what is it it's like a metal plates in the front there's only a few pages, and the metal plates have images. When you look at them, they kind of start to appear and move around like living images. How did they explain that? Uh, darkly reflective. It was like, what, 19 paintings of vellum bound with silver wire to two thin plates of obsidian. Obsidian, not metal. I'm sorry. I was English. So it's uh, <laughs> obsidian, so it's a volcanic rock of some sort. Maybe that's why you can see images inside of it as well, too. Yeah, it says that uh, sometimes uh, phantom images sometimes appear in the plates and then immediately vanish. No one can decide for certain what these swirling, shadowing images are. The images here just look like demons. Right, okay. but if you stare at it for too long, you would suffer the effects of a scare spell at 16th level casting casting level that when you open the front page there's a there's a there's a drawing of a skull it's got a it's got a uh, a spell cast on it a mouth is it mouth is that the name of the spell or a speak spell or what was it magic mouth magic mouth magic mouth that's yeah. the spell and yes. whatever it utters you can't understand but you have to make that save there. <laughs> but if you don't make the save, you turn into a mummy. Well, you pretty much rot away and turn into a mummy. <laughs> Tell you what, why don't we have Code Jake open this book? I don't think either of us should open this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not opening it. I, yeah. it. So it's got like hints of kind of the Necronomicon, but then like a little the bit, yeah. The Necronomicon is kind of like like. The one scary book that's been used the most, I feel. So I think it's cool to have a different book. Is the name of the book Bazaar of the Bazaar? No, the name of the book is called the Cryptic Chronos, oh, also that, known as yes. you know the Book of Horror. The Cryptic Chronos. Yes. The last two pages describe the drawing a special pinnacle used in summoning and binding of extraplanar creatures. The textual description written in the language spoken by the magic mouth is accompanied by an actual rendering of the pentacle, a rendering that acts as a symbol of insanity to all who look upon it without the benefit of an anti-magic shell spell. The victim becomes subject to every manner of madness, becoming a short-lived NPC. The unique spell follows. 
undead control. And so it, it kind of goes into the different spells that it has. It also kind of says that there, there can be other spells to throw in there at the DM's discretion. I think the spells sure. the spells are kind of like like so sin, sinuous horrors. Is that the one where you get the snake snake arms? Uh is where the wizard's arms turn into like snake arms, yes. yes. So you're the, the caster has snake-like tentacles that can attack people. And and the your their caster level is the monster level attack of the snakes. It only does it it it, it each do one to three hit points of damage, so one d three uh damage. Uh, is the effect of each of the snakes? So do, you, do you only get the two? One for each arm, a snake in each arm. I believe that's that's it. Let's take a look here. Uh, writhing, hissing serpent. So I'm assuming it's one per arm. And and you, there's like a three percent chance per level of the spellcaster. It's so, poisonous to the uh, humanoid that you're, you're that you're biting. But the downside is save or die. Yeah, save or die. But the downside is you can't be holding anything in your hand. You can't be wearing any type of rings or gloves. You're not gonna be able to cast spells. Well, just this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't be able to cast spells because your arms. It says there that your arms are snakes, so you can't do the right. the, the gestures and component and things uh, that are necessary to cast the spells. But you got yourself something good to fight with. The problem with that is like wizards tend to not be great just in general and hand to hand because they ain't wearing any armor or nothing. Well, yeah, they're not going to be swinging a sword per se, but you know, this limits you from you know either gesturing with your wand or your staff or maybe using your powers of you know a ring of protection or something like that. Well, you can't wear rings. That's right, no rings. It says that yeah, rings. It says you can't wear any rings or any gloves on your hands. Hands and arms got to be free of everything. So. The positive is if you want to be able to try to get someone with poison damage, the higher level you are, the higher percentage of a chance there is that one of those arms will be poisonous. But it's not the best best chance. So it's not the like most world-ending spell, like most powerful thing. There are some pretty serious limitations on it. Well, it's a like you said, the lower percentage, so it's not like it's going to be all powerful and the kill everything in its path. I was looking at these, some of the other spells. You got like what Crimson Scourge looks looks like a pretty terrible spell as well. Terrible spell can affect one human being whose number of levels or hit dice do not exceed the level of the spellcaster. Dwarves, elves, and other humanoid creatures are immune to this magic. Upon pronouncing the curse, the wizard touches the victim. Who is entitled to a saving throw versus spells at minus two with failure, indicating that the target person begins to bleed profusely through the pores of the skin. Ooh. Yeah, sounds like it's like bleeding pores. So uh, the I think that the the one that I the one that I found them. So there's like there's a theme here to the spells they're going for. Um, well horrifying horror-ish type spells kind of more along the lines of necromancy type things that would probably fit well in there yep. i think that there was even suggested looking at things like necromancer spells in here if i want if i'm incorrect i got that necromancer book um we need i really would love to play a second edition campaign sometimes and pull some of that stuff <laughs> oh you mean with some of the uh class books that we have well, not the class books, but some of the 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 blue books. So the the class books, the the reddish brown tan ones, there's some okay lore in them. But I, I in general, I've always kind of avoided them, and I got a ton of them. 
But the blue books and the green books were made for DM side. And one of the blue books is the Necromancer book. It said this not for player characters. It has been even our group has used it for player characters. My group and my groups I've been a part of in the past. I can name people that have pulled up the Necromancer book to roll up a Necromancer player character. <laughs> I actually I think we had the dual class. I think someone started as a rogue or a fighter and learned necromancy and became a dual class character at some point in time in a second edition campaign via that book. <laughs> So the uh, last spell that they had in, in this uh, Dragon Magazine article was uh, Amorphous Blob. The Amorphous Blob, uh, it, it was, I, I, first, I think my favorite is probably the snake one because it seems more, I don't know, you, it gives you a, a good thing that you can do attack-wise and it's very limiting. Uh, the Amorphous Blob is just kind of what it sounds like. It's not as, as horrifying, I feel, as some of the others. Well... The part that I think the Morpheus Blob is uh, interesting is that you can cast it inside, you know, a glass globe or ball, and you can throw that like a grenade at somebody. So when it breaks, you get hit by this blob. So I find that pretty terrible. Causes the fluid inside the sphere to congeal into a dangerous amoeboid life form that is released whenever the glass is shattered. The wizard can smash the ball by hurling it at an opponent threat as a grenade-like missile. And it does... Uh, has the following stats. So it even gives you the stats. The armor class of 6, movement of 6, HD. It's got 3 hit, hit dice and 24 hit points. Damage is 3 to 12, which is a 3d4 damage. is not terrible. Yeah, but it can also absorb dead people and gain extra hit points and hit dice from absorbing people. You definitely don't want to don't want to mess with that amoeba. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like the blob from the old movie. <laughs> that that's uh what I think is I think we'll talk about that in the in the other episode. We'll probably have already talked about it by the release time because there was another one here. I think is interesting looking at some of these in context of what year they came out and what was out popular media wise and everything else from books to films and whatnot. Um, I'm sitting here thinking that like, I feel that there's a lot more you can do with uh, a horrible, horrifying tome of magic, like a nightmare tome similar to the, the, what is it? The crypt. I gotta find. I gotta find the name. I keep on forgetting the name of this damn book. <laughs> Among uh, them, the Crypto Chronos, known as the right, the Crypto Chronos, was also known as the, the, hidden, the first, the Hidden Time, in reference to its it should ancient be a hidden origin. Tome. Hidden Tome. I'm. Is it? Is that a? Is that a? Is that a typo? That's a they typo. Have here? That's a typo. It should be a hidden tome, not hidden time. That doesn't make sense. It should be hidden tome. In reference to its ancient origins, is the Book of Horrors. I now they had like the didn't they do a a book of what was the one book they did for third edition that was really popular for a while the book of there's a book of like a nightmare book that's like like one of the books was named after and I think it may have even been a book from second edition at some point in time I I, I know I have it on my shelf because they did too they did like a deity like a a good deity book of angelic beings and then they had did the other one which was like the the Book of Night. Oh, what was it called? I'm going to have to go over to my shelf and find out. Yeah, I don't remember because I, I never played third edition. So it was the Book of Vile Darkness. <laughs> That's I'm what familiar it was with that one. It was the Book of Vile Darkness. And it was it was a it was a book. I don't know where it first showed up. I think it may have showed up in AD&D or second edition. 
but I, actually I'm going to Google it right now because I think because the book of vile darkness itself is a book like in the game. Like there were, there were only like limited amounts of copies that were made and it was supposed to be, uh, I think it was uh, originated from Vecna. So going back to our Vecna. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They're going back to our Vecna episode where we talked about some of the Vecna artifacts. And I'm not sure when it first appeared into D and D lore, but but um, but the third edition they actually put out a book called The Book of Vile Darkness and kind of went with that thing. I don't know, I can't remember. It's been years since I I know I used it in the one third edition campaign that I ran in the year 2000 or around that time, early on in. I know I picked it up and had it and was using it somewhere early on in, but uh, I can't remember much about it at this day and age. I haven't played that one either, so. I think that I like some of the ideas of this tome and it tells you to kind of the DM to kind of take their liberties and add spells to it. Right. And there are some horrible spells there as well. I think the interesting thing is the like cover and the nastiness going around and the fact that it's trapped. Was there was there some sort of save versus death? Um, yeah, that was the saber. If you don't save versus death, you get cursed with the mummy curse, like you had mentioned. You have right. uh, like eight months, like one to eight months. So I guess you're rolling one d eight to find some kind of cure. You're gonna end up uh dead. <laughs> well, you need to cure disease spell from a priest at least of ninth level or a heal spell. So it's a pretty pretty high level spellcaster you need to find to be able to reverse the effects of the mummy so it's it's probably not something you want to mess around with or take too lightly it's probably something you want to give to a higher level campaign when you start messing with i'm sure it can cause a few issues um i i i, I want i want more horrible tomes like this i, I want to use a horrible tome in my current can in a campaign and i'm not sure what what's out there that i can use but I, I, this might be a foundation for me to tweak like they said take liberties with and use it could the, be but you need to adjust the levels for it because some of these spells are pretty high level. Cryptochronos. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the worst comes the worst. People won't be able to cast these or such high level spells, which isn't a terrible thing. But anyhow, do you have anything to add to the Cryptochronos Bazaar of the Bazaar? No, I mean, this is obviously inspired by the Necronomicon from the style of the name as well as the history of who found it. You know, it's very similar to... Uh, some of the history of the Necronomicon as well, too. So obviously, as you mentioned, for its era, what was it inspired by? So yeah, I was definitely at that point in time. I know that uh what year did what year did Army of Darkness come out? Was that the early 90s or late 80s? That was early 90s, I thought. For so this is pre this is pre-Army of Darkness. So the Evil Deads were out. Yeah, the Evil Dead One and Two sh should have been out by then. The Evil Deads were out, and then, of course, the Necronomicon, being from the you know all the Cthulhu mythos stuff and everything else, was probably very inspirational yeah. on that. Having an evil tome is pretty common throughout fantasy literature. Yes. If you've enjoyed what you've heard of today, give us a positive review, and if you haven't, please be merciful and give us a five star positive review, anyways. <laughs> You can find us on Facebook, search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. If you need support, we can get patreon.com backslash Wildlies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling. Yeah, watch out for those evil, evil necromancer wizards out there.